welcome back everyone to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. Uh, today I'm joined by pastors Marcus Donaldson and Jared Cagle. Uh, Jared took us into the, was it the sixth or seventh beatitude this week? It depends on who's counting. <laughs> <laughs> I would say six. Uh, okay. I think Jesus would too, but Marcus would say five. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I only have five fingers. Oh, yeah, that's all you can count. Right. Yeah. So the we'll call it the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew five nine. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you give us a recap, Jared? Yeah, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Um, what an awesome beatitude! I, I think really what we tried to unpack is the difference, the different definitions of peace, and um, what what Jesus is actually describing here might be different than what we normally would think peace is. Um, And so we talked a little bit about that, and then we also kind of landed on the fact that, one, peace has been made by Jesus alone. Troutstream's looking at me with a smirk right now, and it makes me want to (laughs) ask. When you said the conversations begin in that Troutstream voice, I was like, and there's so much better when it's got the Troutstream behind it, the conversation. Uh, So... Peace has been made by the blood of Jesus. He said, I've, I've made peace by the blood, or peace by the blood of his cross, um, and we've been reconciled to God. Ultimately, that peace has made it possible for us to be now peacemakers. Yeah. And to be a peacemaker really is to be a peace messenger, where we're carrying the message of peace that has given us peace to others that need that same peace with God. Um, and the result of that is sonship. It's mm. it's adoption. It's being uh, called a child of God and secure in the Father's um, arms. And and that, that what a what a what a great reality for us to rest in. We could have broken this up into two parts, honestly, and right. spent a whole week on both. But um, what a beautiful text. The blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. That's good, Marcus. What were some of your thoughts? Our concept of peace is really, it's the, the absence of conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Treaties, we make treaties and, you know, two nations or two people groups, they, they stop warring for a, a given amount of time. And I think what we see in, in the Bible all throughout is that this idea of the, the peace that comes from God, the the gospel of peace, like Paul describes it in uh, his letters, it's not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of righteousness. Beautiful. So, uh, Matthew ten thirty four, Jesus says, "Don't think that I've come to bring peace into the world. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword." Yeah. Um, and you're like, "Whoa!" This idea of my <laughs> idea of peace is like out the window at this point. What do you mean, Jesus, that you've come to bring? Uh, haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. You're the Prince of Peace. You're you're this and you're that. But when we understand the historical context that there were um, false prophets in the Old Testament, like Ezekiel 13, uh, let's see, Ezekiel 13, 10 and 16, and then Jeremiah 6, their message was peace. Like, hey, don't worry about this. Uh, peace. God loves you. Peace. Peace. Don't. Yeah. Nothing's wrong. Peace. Mm-hmm. But what the prophets were doing, the real prophets, what they were saying is, look, we need to repent. Mm-hmm. We're living in sin, and the people didn't like it, and they had this message of, of peace, yeah. um, this this idea that that was ultimately wrong, just to be short. Mm-hmm. So 
with being messengers of peace, with this idea, it, it's not the absence of conflict, but it's, it's the presence of righteousness. So how do you do that? Right? As somebody who's sharing the gospel, well, you have to offend people mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent. It's like your efforts aren't going to get you into heaven. Like yeah, you're, yeah. You, According to God's word, you, you're heading to hell for eternity, not mm-hmm. because he hates you, but because of your sin. Right. Um, and unless that's paid for, which there's only one payment, and that's Jesus' death on the cross, mm-hmm. unless you believe that and receive that in his death and resurrection, well, there, you will not have peace with God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was reading um, today, it's like, peace comes through purity. And we mm-hmm. talked last week about yep. being, uh, the, you know, blessed are the pure in heart and how, you know, that that is preceding the blessed are the peacemakers. And then even the next verse getting, you know, eating into the next beatitude of blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. You know, it, it is uh, this, this verse of blessed are the peacemakers is, um, you know, bordered by pure in heart and then persecuted for righteousness. So, you know, being persecuted for righteousness, righteousness doesn't sound like a very peaceful scenario, Sure, but it is for righteousness sake and it is through the purity that we receive through Jesus. We talked about last week about how, you know, that purity in heart doesn't come from us having external purity, but it comes from Jesus giving yeah. us internal purity. Um, and that is what makes for true peace. Uh, Colossians one twenty, he made peace possible for us through the blood of the cross. Yeah. And, um, you know, now we get to, you know, carry that peace with us. I, I, I love that, how you said it on Sunday, Jared, about how, you know, we have been given peace, and now you know peacemakers. It's almost like you know peace bringers or peace mm-hmm. messengers. Yeah, like that's what it can almost be called here. Um, so yeah, t- like take us into that about how you know Jesus being a sword and the gospel being offensive. Like how how does that actually make for peace? Yeah, in in the life of yeah, that's so leader. good. That this this is this is so rich. The thread of it all is the glory of God, his, his uh, supremacy and his sufficiency in Christ. Like, if you really think about it in that view, and you think about the fact that peace, what Marcus said was great, by the way, side note, if we could just do these podcasts prior to my sermon, I would have a <laughs> lot more good material. Uh, we'll just put that in the show notes. Um, but what he said about the absence of conflict, that's such a natural concept for us to think. Mm-hmm. Okay, peace means no conflict. Well, if we if we operate in that paradigm, what we do is we start to just remove conflict and 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 call it peace. Like if we can just remove all the conflict and all the tension points and all the pain points and every and get it out of the way, then we can be at peace. Yep. But then we're just like the story I told of the Prime Minister of England who thought he had a message of peace coming home that Hitler signed this paper. Well, yeah. Hitler don't care about that. He's just giving you some time to think you're good mm-hmm. so that he can make his plans better. Like, the in this world, you will have trouble. Mm. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the message. If we carry that message in our life and we understand that peace it is the presence of righteousness, and it comes from a heart of purity. Look at this. Now we see that the definition is wholeness, yeah. oneness. We see this coming together in, in the life that God uh, has intended for his children is one of wholeness, not peace as in no conflict, peace as in wholeness and oneness, joint together with him, 
that even when everything's going crazy around you, you're not trying to put a Band-Aid on the problems. You are sinking deeply into who God is, safe and sound and powerful to carry that same message to others. Um, it's a totally different concept, I think, than what we naturally tend to do when we see conflict around us or we see pain and we yeah. feel pain. Mm-hmm. But Jesus has made it possible for us to take a hope, a hopeful message to the world where they can be in the world that they will have trouble in and still have peace, which means wholeness, which means the the presence of righteousness and purity, God's purity, God's righteousness in Christ. You have this promise as a child of, of God, and you're commissioned with that to take it and 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 carry it to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James 3.17, he writes, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, <laughs> gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So to the the larger point that you guys are talking from, it, it, it comes from, right, we're seeing this waterfall of the Beatitudes, right? It, yeah. Everything leading up to it, That's you get great. to that purity in heart, and then from being pure in heart, or being made pure in heart by God— then you become a peacemaker, and you really, you don't avoid the conflict like we're talking about. You dive right into it. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying about need the podcast before the preaching? I mean, man. Yeah, just loads Waterfall. of verses that, and yeah. Um, yeah, and if we look, you know, at how the, the you know, possibility of peace came about in the first place, it's like, you know, it came through Jesus conquering death and sin, yeah. you know, it, he came, That's what it came you through wanted. his blood. I see you. Keep uh, going. I love it. Yeah, and it it was not made for, peace was not made possible through just, you know, seeking out inner peace and, and removing yeah, all yeah, instances yeah. of, you know, conflict and stress from our lives, but, you know, Jesus won peace for us yeah. through his death, which yeah. is not a peaceful action, and we now are the recipients of that Strong. peace. And we can just take that to others now, where we don't have to be the ones that have to conquer <laughs> that sin and, and win our peace for ourselves, but we get to just just carry it out. Strong. Can I read a quote yes. uh, on that same? John MacArthur. How could the cross bring peace? At the cross, all of man's hatred and anger was vented against God. On the cross, the Son of God was mocked, cursed, spit upon, pierced, reviled, and killed. Jesus' disciples fled in fear, and sky the sky flashed lightning, the earth shook violently, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Yet through that violence, God brought peace. Hmm. God's greatest—this is it right here—God's greatest righteousness confronted man's greatest wickedness, and righteousness won. And because righteousness won, peace was won. And this is born from violence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's, that's what that so good. I didn't. I had that. In my notes didn't read it. See, this is this is what the after the sermon. That's exactly is for, right. <laughs> to carry on the conversation. Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm just thinking about you know all these all these other you know religions and mindsets that are talking about meditation and inner peace and and you know removing. Um, removing desires or removing distractions from your life until you are able to be at peace with yourself. But at best, that peace is temporary. Mm-hmm. At best, that you know that peace is going to last until 
you know, in, until like you were talking talk about on Sunday, until your kids come in and, yeah. and ruin it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not one for us in silence, but we can have that peace even in the midst of our greatest chaos that we're going through. It's great, Josh. You know, oh, I didn't something. No. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I just would add quickly, until there's peace with God, there can be no peace with man. Yeah. And we're, we're, so often we seek the, the reverse order. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think we've we've hit that hit that nail pretty hard on you know that there is no peace possible until we're at peace with God. So then, how do we make peace with men, and what is, what does that next step look like for us? Yeah, I had a couple applications. I don't know if that's helpful. I tend to not want to go too deep on applications mm-hmm. um, because it, it you know I want to get to the heart of it before. Uh, going surface. However, I think it's pretty important. The couple things we talked about, um, be selfless. Mm -hmm. Um, if when, when self is first, peace is last. I think that's so often true for us. When we put ourselves first, we don't, we don't think about peace with man and man, uh, between our fellow men. Um, and then the other one that we talked about was just stop talking, uh, learn how to hold your tongue, this is a very important uh, principle. In James talks about it. you mentioned James earlier, and um, James talks about I think in the same chapter maybe about or now James four I think is the one that I talked about with holding your tongue and guarding your tongue, being slow to speak, quick to listen, mm-hmm. uh, slow to become angry. And we see this principle throughout, but we also see it lived out in Jesus when he he didn't revile in return. He didn't threaten in return. He he like a uh, Isaiah fifty three like a sheep. Before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. Like uh, we see this lived out and practiced so often, we uh, make con- we we make it worse, whatever it is, yeah. because we talk. We just talk too much. We say too much. Um, and very practically, if we learn to just be quiet and listen more, and um, we, I think peace will be more possible between. But it all flows from a heart uh, that's been radically transformed by the grace and mercy of God. That's the way we show mercy and love to others, mm-hmm. and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. And we hold. Really, I should have gone through the fruits of the spirit in terms of practicality. That's a good idea. Can we go back and preach? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's very important to understand. Like God has given us these tools to make peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's given us the message to carry with us. We have to saturate ourselves in it daily, and we have to remind ourselves of what's transformed us and how powerful it is to transform others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marcus, is this? I just I had a quick question for you. It's like, do, is this verse telling us that you know we need to go overseas and start figuring out some peace treaties between countries, or go out in the streets to start breaking up fights? <laughs> is that what it means to to bring peace? No. <laughs> no, not if it doesn't involve identifying sin. Right. Absolutely, if it involves preaching the gospel of peace, um, confronting sin, and um, you know, trying to uh, bring people to salvation through proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is yes, if that's what that means. Mm-hmm. But it's no if it's just our simple version of like. Uh, diplomacy, right? Right. If we're just going there to say, "Hey, um, Russia, stop invading Ukraine." Hey, mm-hmm. Putin, like, drop your guns. Well, yeah, like Hitler, he may 
he may look at that and, okay, yeah, but really what he's doing is reloading. Mm -hmm. He's just waiting for another opportunity to do what his evil heart wants to do. Right. Um, But if our goal is to help man make peace with God, Mm -hmm. which is only possible through repentance and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah, absolutely go. Make all the treaties you want to. But if it's if it's simple diplomacy, that historically has always failed. Mm-hmm. Always failed. So, yes and no. Right. It's um, good. Yeah, Jared, you said it on Sunday about how you know it's being a peacemaker is not just simply being a good de-escalator. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a um, security studies class in college about you know escalation, de-escalation, and you know diplomacy and things like that. Um, but I think with with what it's talking about here, it's like, um, and what every with everything else that we've talked about, it's like you know, governmental diplomatic treaties. They they may work for a time, but you know we've seen over and over that like they're gonna fail. They're gonna just erode away eventually. And I think there's two primary you know ways that we can make peace. One is like you're saying, Marcus, about taking the gospel and making peace with others, between others and God, and, and helping people reconcile back to God through sharing the gospel with them. And then the second way is is pursuing unity in the church, you know, laying laying down our um, yeah. our own interests and, and praying for the interests of others and, and putting others above ourselves and pursuing real Christian unity and community. Um you know that's what we're trying to do through through small groups at City Church. That we're, that's what we're trying to do through reaching our community um, and doing different outre- outreaches like that. And by also you know partnering with other churches through the family of churches as as we are trying to pursue that unity. It's good. Um, but ultimately, um, the, I think the primary application has to be that that evangelism, sharing the gospel with people, Agreed. making people right with God. Agreed. It's interesting too that Christian unity. I would I would say with emphatically Christian unity is the only lasting unity. It's it's the only eternal unity because the message of hope, the the central point of our belief is Jesus and him him crucified and him him risen. We we have the only unifying and uh eternally unifying message. Any unity, and see, this is an interesting application. Sometimes I think we treat the world and the, our friends or our coworkers that aren't Christian mm-hmm. in the same way in, in expecting unity with them the same yeah. way that we expect it from our Christian brothers and sisters when they don't have the same foundation of belief. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same new heart, uh, new creation, rebirth, conversion experience how can we expect that from them you know and it doesn't mean that we're exclusionary but it does mean we have to understand that the most important thing in that relationship is their standing with god you know and to marcus's point if if it's diplomacy without without evangelism when it comes to the lost world around us then we're we're totally missing the the mission so he says no there but then he said yes when it comes to uh, unity and diplomacy, and I would argue, yes, uh, diplomacy and unity in the church because we have that foundation of the yeah. gospel. Doesn't mean we stop preaching it. Doesn't mean we stop reminding ourselves of it inside the church. But we understand that Christian unity is possible, and we should fight for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we should deal 
um, in in ways that are charitable among each other inside of the church, which is which is an important thing. We have we have the message of unity that is eternal, mm-hmm. um, and we need to take it to those that don't have it, and we need to uh, operate within it with each other to preserve that unity inside of the church. The um, I, I would just add that there's a uh, an idea that Jesus is this like this hippie that's wearing Birkenstocks and like he's all peace and and <laughs> doesn't ever like he's not the same Jesus that flips the tables in the temple. He's not the same Jesus that pronounces woes on the on the mm-hmm. scribes and Pharisees. Like if you in his ministry, if you came to Jesus with with something that was sinful or that um, that he saw was clearly sinful, he addressed it very clearly and yeah. called people to righteousness because that that peace comes from purity. So I mean, yeah, that it's easy to overlook all of the. Well, actually, it's easy and commonly practiced to overlook how strongly opposed Jesus was to the sinfulness around him mm. um, and just be like, oh, you know, he he just got along with everybody. No, he didn't. He didn't. And he yeah. very forcibly and habitually um, opposed those who were against the gospel, who were against true um, Christianity or, at that time, Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> what a statement. That's so good. So we're winding down here. Um, so Jared, talk to me a little bit about the the flip side of this verse, for they shall be called sons of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this, um, this adoption, the only possible by um, the forgiveness of sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus, being called a child of God now, um, the outworking of that will be will produce a, a likeness and a resemblance, a family resemblance, if you will. You know, you're a triplet. Uh, I would argue you don't look anything. I'm, I'm for those that can't view us right now, which is everybody. I'm pointing at Josh Richards at Gmail, Josh X Richards at, at Hotmail, and uh, he, he's a triplet, but he don't look anything like his brothers, in my opinion. Um, however, he does look like his parents. I look like my parents. I'm getting more and more like my dad the more my hair recedes. These are outward resemblances, Mm -hmm. um, but in a similar way, but coming from a much deeper reality than just mere DNA, a spiritual uh, rebirth, we will resemble through the fruit of the Spirit and through the way that we love and and express grace and mercy the way Jesus has for us. We will resemble our Father in heaven mm-hmm. because we are children now, um, and and what a reality, you know. And and we, I came from an environment that really doubled down on outworking and what we looked like, what we did, what we the rules we followed, and we can overanalyze yeah. that to a degree that's very unhealthy and unhelpful. However. We do need to look at the fruit, and we do need to look at ourselves in the mirror like the Beatitudes are forcing us to and say, are we exhibiting these outworkings of grace that has been bestowed upon us? Are we peacemakers? You know, Are we long-suffering? Are we self-controlled? Are, are we gentle and lowly? Are we loving? Are we... So uh, we will exhibit this family resemblance if we are truly a child of God. 
That's good. Marcus, any final thoughts on being sons of God? Judges uh, 6.14, I believe. I was trying to flip there, but you you know, you know rushed to me. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Josh. <laughs> um, I think I ended a lot quicker than he expected, you know, which happens sometimes. But it's on me. Yahweh Shalom. Yeah. The triune God is the God of peace. Mm-hmm. So as sons and daughters of the God of peace, that resemblance, which is why it's a fruit of the Spirit, because the yep. Father is a Father of peace, the Son is the Prince of peace, and the Spirit is the Spirit of peace. The it's As the Spirit lives in us, we will resemble yep. more and more each day um, the Lord. Mm-hmm. And because He's the Lord of peace and because the Spirit is the Spirit of peace living inside of us, that resemblance should manifest itself in our in our lives. Um, and obviously, it, we're not perfect in that. It's in varying degrees at different points in our lives. But we, we should see um, a marked difference in, in our peacemaking ability, not just because it, we've been wrestling with it throughout this series, this already but not yet, right? We're justified in a moment, but we're, we're not yet glorified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that concept of already but not yet as it applies to peace, yeah, we're not perfect peacemakers yet. We already have peace with God, but we still need to confess our sins that He will um, forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. Um, and we're not perfect with others as well, so that horizontal relationship isn't great as well. We, mm-hmm. we are imperfect peacemakers still, but we should be getting better over time. Yeah. Think about the depth in this Trinitarian understanding of, uh, like, peace, you know, the way you just described it, and the depth of the God of peace, peace at its root meaning wholeness, uh, the perfect blend of righteousness and purity and holiness is, is this, is in the Trinity, like we, and we see that it's 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 the perfect blend of all these things in being and in function. Hmm. <laughs> you think about the depth of that. I mean, this is what happens to me when I'm trying to preach in a simple way that people can understand, but I'm losing my mind. <laughs> because it's like, God, this word, meaning one and joined together, God's promise of wholeness, in the beginning of time, we see it. We see ultimate peace in the Godhead. The God of peace being Yahweh Shalom that, that Marcus is talking about. We see the, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father all there in union, whole, perfect peace, righteousness, purity, holiness, all in one. And now we see it working through us, mm-hmm. this, this perfection of righteousness and purity and wholeness working through those who are children of God because of what Jesus has done. It's astounding. Mm -hmm. And then you think about what we don't tap into and what we totally miss because of our lack of uh, discipline, if you will. I mean, sorry about it, but it's it's not about works, but we have, (laughs) are we maintaining a discipline to go deep enough with the with this reality of who we are, because if we if we are, we're going to 
cultivate this righteousness that's possible. We're going to cultivate this purity. We're going to pursue this righteousness and purity, and it's made possible by Him alone. I mean, that's a we see a picture of it, and Jesus is the exact representation of who God is and how God operates. Um, and and now in Christ, we have access to Him. Mm-hmm. We have access to God by the power of the Spirit. Man, there's a depth there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? For sure. Can't think of any better way to to close that out. Um, just I would just tap onto that of, you know, if we have been given access through Christ, we have been given that peace, and and now um, we have the responsibility, but also the privilege to go out and and to share that peace with others. It's not that we are doing that in order to earn the peace. We've been given the peace, and now we can go and and freely share that and openly share that with others. Um, listener, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, we really enjoy breaking down these concepts and uh, talking through the sermon, but also we would encourage you to go listen to the sermon um, previous. So the, the previous episode on this, Jared preached on uh, Blessed Are the Peacemakers from this past Sunday. Go check that out uh, for a little more context. But finally, we have some a couple big announcements. Um, this Friday, we are recording on April 12th here on a Tuesday. This Friday... April 15th, 15th um, we have a Good Friday service in the Greenway in Gainesville. Um, four churches are going to be joining us, and uh, we would love to see you there. There's going to be free food, games, like it's going to be a party atmosphere, and then mm-hmm. at 630 there's going to be uh, worship and a service. So join us there this Friday, and then this Sunday is Easter. Uh, we have a 7 a.m. sunrise service, which Marcus is going to be preaching and then 10 a.m., um, our main service at City Church in Gainesville. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, can't wait. Um, we pray that you have a blessed Holy Week. Until next time.